Well, hey, everybody. How you guys doing tonight? Good, good. Amazing time in God's presence. It's hard to come out of some of those moments. Sometimes I feel like a big marshmallow. You know, how do I, <laughs> how do we get out of this one and move to the next portion? You know, God's presence, you could just camp there all day. Uh, so I'm down here. I hope that's all right with everybody. Can you guys see me okay? The Grand Rapids Symphony Orchestra set up up there. So tonight, we're going to talk about a lifestyle of worship. If you don't know me, I'm Pastor Jared. I'm one of the worship pastors here. And uh, it's, it's weird not holding the guitar right now. It feels... <laughs> so it's good to be up here. I'm excited to talk about worship tonight, you guys. You know, it's been said... God gives you one message in life, but 300 different ways to say it. And so I'm passionate about worship. I'm passionate about just living this thing out, not because I've read about it, not because uh, I've studied it, which I have, but I'm excited because God's done a work in my life and I've lived it. And so I'm here tonight uh, just sharing uh, what God's laid on my heart. Um, my wife and I, Alicia, she's up here. We've been here now for, I think, about eight months we came from Restore Church in Ionia, Michigan. We were worship pastors out there for about six years. And uh, it's an amazing team here. You guys, isn't this an amazing uh, work to be a part of? Just an amazing part of the body of Christ to come to every week. Isn't that awesome, you guys? And so I hope you brought your Bibles tonight. I hope you guys brought something to write with. If you didn't, I encourage you guys to bring it. We're going to be talking about worship for the next few weeks. Uh, tonight, we're going to talk about why we worship, and we're going to talk about who we worship. Next week, we want to focus on how we worship. We're going to look at some biblical examples and expressions of praise and worship right out of the Bible. You know, I'm not the brightest bulb in the pack. I am not the sharpest tool in the shed. All I know to do is go to God's Word. Amen? Go to God's Word. That's all I know to do. So we're going to, we're going to, study worship right out of scripture, right out of scripture, not my preferences, because the preferences of man are fickle. We shift, our preferences change from week to week, month to month, year to year, but God's word is consistent and never changes. God never changes, amen? And so first, let's dive in here. If you're taking notes, point number one, I want to talk about why we worship, why we worship. It's important to know why we worship. First and foremost, you got to know this. We were created to do that. We were created to worship. God made us with that, that drive, that passion. And how many of you guys know, if we're not worshiping God, we're worshiping something. Amen? We're worshiping something. When was the last time you came to church and you saw somebody with their face painted, their chest painted, saying, woo, let's go God. But you see that at sporting events, right? I'm not encouraging anybody. I know you guys love Jesus, but don't come to church like that. If you do, don't take your shirt off. Okay. <laughs> One theologian defines worship. Worship is the activity of glorifying God in his presence with our voices and hearts. And I would add, worship is the act of glorifying God by the way you live. By the way you live. It's not a song. You know, we worship through music up here. When I'm holding that guitar and I'm singing out, we're singing just like we did just a few minutes ago. That is worship. But worship is not a song in and of itself. Just like the lyrics of that song. Worship comes from an old English term called worth-ship. Worth-ship. Because God is worthy. 
He's worthy of our worship, his worth-ship. Every song, every lyric, every part of our lives, our passion, every part of our lives, our adoration, we were made to glorify God. We are created to worship. So let's look at some scripture. If you have your Bibles, open up to Isaiah 43, verses 6 and 7. And while you do that, I'm going to grab some water. I want to go through some of these early scriptures a little quick. I have a lot of info to get at you. A lot. We're going there. Isaiah 43, 6 and 7. Verse 6. I will say to the, Lord, to the north and south, bring my sons and daughters back to Israel from the distant corners of the earth. Bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them from my glory. It was I who created them. God said, I have made them from my glory. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. I want to say that last part again. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Book of Exodus, chapter 7, verse 16. Then announce to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to tell you, let my people go so they can worship me in the wilderness, so they can worship me in the wilderness. The exodus of the Israelites out of the captivity of Egypt, that was a picture, that was an Old Testament picture of Christ setting us free from the captivity and bondage of sin. And just as the nation of Israel was set free that they might hear God's voice and worship him, that too is our purpose, to hear God's voice and worship him and glorify him. So let's look at the difference between Old Testament and New Testament worship. In the Old Testament, people would bring a sacrifice to be put on the altar of sacrifice. And, and now in the New Testament, God calls us to come and lay ourselves down on that altar and surrender to the lordship, the kingship of Jesus Christ. In every part of our lives, those things that are precious to us, those things that we hold dear We always got to remember, guys, the desire to pour our attentions and affections and trust into something or someone is always there. Like I started out by saying, when was the last time you came to church and saw somebody as fired up about God as a sports fanatic would be fired up about their team winning? Not all the time, right? <laughs> and if that is you, again, keep your shirt on. But that desire to pour our attentions, our passions, our affections, our trust into other things or someone else, that's always there. We have to be mindful of that. That we're not putting something else or someone else on the throne of our heart that God put there for that space that only he could occupy. It's easy to do a spouse, a significant other, your husband, your wife, are you putting them on the throne of your heart where God needs to be? 
for me, when I, when I wasn't living for the Lord, it was music. It was music. I, music became an idol in my life. I was more passionate about trying to be a sick musician. <laughs> I was sick, yes. But you know, guys, we mess things up very quickly on our own, right? God tells us to keep him first because he knows what's best. The Bible's not a book full of rules. It's God's best plan for our lives. It's his best plan. That's why he says, put me first. Matthew 6, 33, seek, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. That was the first scripture I ever memorized. I went to my grandma's church and uh, they blessed me with the, uh, new, the King James Version and a, a, a plaque. And so I hung it on my wall as a kid and I memorized it. And, and uh, God tells us to put him first because when we put him first, he works everything else out. And that's really what worship is, putting God first, putting him on the throne of your heart, that space only he can occupy. God wants our hope, our passion, and our trust. I like to use our relationship with our kids as an example of, of real trust. You know, God calls us to that level of trust. My wife and I have been blessed with four amazing kids, four kiddos, <laughs> four kids. I heard a comedian once say, you want to know what it's like having four kids? Imagine you're drowning and someone hands you a baby. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> We love them. They're such a blessing. You know, kids, if you have young children, if you've ever had young children or grandkids, they like to jump off things without telling you. Hey, let me climb up these four or five stairs and just jump right at you. No warning. Heads up. I'm coming. But they trust you to catch them. It's just there. It's in them. Uh, a few weeks ago, my youngest, Noah, he's two years old. I came up the basement stairs, and he started backing up towards me. Uh, I, I said to him, all I said was, hey, buddy. He heard my voice, and he started backing up to the edge of the stairs. He didn't even look behind him. And I said to Alicia, boy, if I wouldn't have been standing right there, he would have just tumbled backwards right down all those stairs. But you know what? He heard his dad's voice, and he knew his dad was right there. God calls us to that level of trust that son or daughter, you don't need to see where you're going. Just listen for my voice. I'm right there. You don't always need to see where you're going. But God calls us to that intimate level of trust that all we need to do is listen for the voice of our Father because he's always speaking to us. You guys got to know God has your best in mind always. He's not going to give you every want because we don't give our kids everything they want. But he's going to give you what you need to be the best person you could possibly be. And to bless others. Amen. I'm bunny trailing here big time. Okay. <laughs> but we have been created to walk in intimacy and trust with God like that. Daddy, I can't see where I'm going, but I know you're there. I hear your voice and I'm going to follow you. I'm going to trust you. The New Testament word for worship is proskuneo. Everybody say proskuneo. It's a Greek word. It means to prostrate yourself. It's 
to prostrate oneself before the Lord, which means to bow down, to get your face to the floor and lie flat on the floor, to get as low as you can get because you're in the presence of a king. The second part of that definition is to adore. God wants our adoration. God wants to adore. He wants us to adore him. And the third part of it, and a lot of men here in America especially struggle with this part of the definition, it's to kiss hands towards, to blow a kiss towards. What do we do when we blow a kiss towards somebody? It means if they were close enough, we'd give them a smooch right on the face, but they're not that close. They're not close enough to do that. And so as we're worshiping God, we're literally blowing a kiss towards our Father. This is the kind of relationship our father wants with us. You know, and and next week we're going to talk about biblical expressions of worship. So I'm going to try not to get ahead of myself. But when we're in worship, when we're in a time of corporate worship, just like we were, it's okay to express your love. Pastor Robert Morris from Gateway Church, he calls worship love expressed. Because love unexpressed is no love at all. My wife, I have to be intentional to not only tell her I love her, to express that love too. Her love language is acts of service. Okay, so if I go buy her a diamond ring, she'd say, oh, that's cool, honey, thank you. But if I do the dishes, that says, hey, I love you. Clean the microwave, yeah. We have to be intentional to express our love. And I'm not saying you have to do an interpretive dance during worship. (laughs) I'm not saying that. But God's worthy of all that you got. God's worthy of an expression of love. Really, worship is a physical expression of what's going on in the heart, right? That's why we're talking about a lifestyle of worship. Living a life that says, God, I love you and I want to do things your way. Not my way, but your way. And so I can remember, I came to know Christ as a freshman in high school. I can remember going to a, a night of worship with a youth, youth group there. And everybody around me, they were all lifting their hands in worship. And I remember thinking, man, that's awesome. They are in it. You know, I want to go to that place. And, and I didn't want to lift my hands just because everybody around me was. And I didn't know what it meant at the time. We'll talk about it next week. Lifting your hands is a sign of surrender in the Lord's presence. That's why we lift our hands. It's also a sign of saying thank you, biblically. But I didn't know that at the time, and and I didn't want to do it just because everybody else was, but I can remember in worship, God stirring my heart, saying, do this, do this. And every time God speaks those little things to you, you are practicing obedience when you do them, even in the little things, because the little things turn into big things, right? You're practicing that obedience. And so I can remember first, you know, we're real timid. And then I, I, we, have, we have names for the, 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 the hands positions. Here's, I'm holding your baby. Then next came the gentleman at the back of the class. And then next came the field goal. It's good. It's good. Or the Mufasa. That's also called that one. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> But, you know, 
God is demonstrative and expressive in his love towards us. You want to know how God demonstrates his love? Look to the cross. He gave it all on the cross. He demonstrated the most a person possibly could because Jesus was fully God and fully man. He gave it all for us on the cross. That really helps me in times of worship. All I do is think about what God did for me on that cross. And all of a sudden, the stuff I'm feeling and the, the self-awareness I'm feeling, and boy, is this person looking at me funny? That all kind of goes away. It doesn't matter. Amen? Dr. Lamar Boschman, he's done some great teachings on worship. He says, our whole being is fashioned as an instrument of praise. When we use body language to express praise, that which is internal becomes visible. That which is internal becomes visible. We were in Ionia, and uh, we ran into a lady at the grocery store, sweet lady, sweet gal, and... Uh, she recognized us from the church. She said, hey, you guys are worship pastors at that church there in town? And we said, yeah. And she said, oh, my husband and I attended the church, but we didn't really like the music. <laughs> and the first thing I wanted to say, I didn't take it as a slight. I know, you know, some people like country, some people like rock and roll. It's not about that. I so badly wanted to say, that's okay, man, because it wasn't for you. But I didn't. I just smiled and said, God bless you. Come back. Genuine worship is our heartfelt response to God's presence in our lives and what he does every single day. He's a jealous God. He fights for us, but he is also a gentleman. God's a gentleman, and he wants an invitation. And so living a lifestyle of worship, worship is that invitation that says, God, I need you. I want you here. I can't do this without you. I was praying that right here in the pew before I got up here. Lord, I need you. I don't want to preach this word unless you're in it, unless you go before it. I can't do it without you. That's how we need to live every second of every day. It's something to be intentional about. In our jobs, our fears, our failures, our families, our marriages. The second point, who we worship. Who we worship. I got to bust it because I'm running out of time. I got so much to get to you guys. I'm excited. I love God's word, amen? Yeah. So that's something to get excited about. I didn't paint my face. Don't worry. Who we worship. He's our savior, our redeemer, our joy, our strength, our rock, our fortress, our refuge. All that we need. He's our hope, our future, our song. We have a reason to worship, a reason to praise, and a reason to rejoice. We have no excuses. <laughs> and all of the excuses we might give... And I'm not trying to tip over some sacred cows, but this might. Any reason we might give to not live our lives this way, they all revolve around us. They all revolve around us. 
It's about God. And so to really understand who God is, it's important to understand our identity in Christ. If you brought your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Really like that translation. That's what I'll be going through tonight, next week. And then on the third week, my wife and I, uh, we've been leading worship together for the bulk of our marriage. And we're going to get up here on the last week and kind of talk to you guys about some things God has taught us in living this lifestyle of worship in our marriage. So come next week, week after, invite some friends. It's going to be good. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. The first part of our identity, you guys have to understand, this is crucial. I talked to our worship team about this. If we really get these two points, these two main points, I promise you we will live our, our lives differently. The first point is we are sons and daughters. 2 Corinthians six eighteen, And I will be your father. And you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. That's just one portion of scripture. There's so many where God refers to us as his kids, his sons, his daughters. As God's kids, we can approach him differently than someone who's not saved. And that's the truth of it. I want to give you guys a good example. My oldest son, Jaden, he's six. He can run up to me and he can jump up and say, Dad, I love you. He can give me a smooch on the cheek and it's not weird at all. It's cute. He's my son. I love him. Now, I really, I really like Pastor Dwayne, but if he ran up to me and gave me a smooch on the cheek and said, I love you, it might get a little awkward <laughs> for everybody because he's not my son right? He's not my son. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we, we, will, we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Bible says we can come boldly before the throne of our gracious God because we are sons and daughters and there we will find mercy and strength when we need it most. That's an encouraging word. That's why we can know him as Abba Father. The Bible says Abba Father. Jesus cried out Abba Father. Abba there, it's an old Aramaic term. It means dada. Dada, that's what a baby would call their dad. Dada, Abba. When was the last time you got in your prayer closet and said dada? Dada. <laughs> That's the kind of intimacy and relationship God wants with us. Jesus was the great, greatest worship leader that ever lived. And the second part, so the first part of your identity, you are sons and daughters. The second part is you are a priest. Turn to the person on your right and say, you're a priest. Now turn to the person to your left and say, I'm a priest. <laughs> You're a priest. Now, a lot of times when we think of priests, we think of collars and robes and sometimes stoic monasteries. And 1 Peter 2.5 
says, and you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests through the mediation of Jesus Christ. You offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Jesus Christ is our great high priest, but you're a priest. So what does that mean? Okay, so I'm a priest. It means you got a job to do. You got a job description. Everybody turn to a neighbor and say, I got a job to do. What is that job? Well, it's funny. You should ask. Let's go through it. (laughs) The job description, God lays it out in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 8. Chapter 10, verse 8. I love talking about this to our worship teams because it's something you don't hear a lot, but it's a powerful, powerful truth. Deuteronomy 10, 8. At that time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the ark of the Lord's covenant and to stand before the Lord as his ministers and to pronounce blessings in his name. These are their duties to this day. Everybody say, to this day. So right here, God lays out the job description for you as a priest. Three things, three things. These are important. If you were taking notes on your phone, tablet, writing them down, get this. It's good. Three jobs to do. The first is to carry the Lord's presence. I don't know if you caught it right there. He set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the Ark of the Lord's Covenant. In the Old Testament, the Ark of the Lord's Covenant, that's where God's presence resided, right there between the cherubim. God's very presence was right there. And so the priest's job, one of their jobs, was to carry God's presence wherever they went. And so what does that mean for us today? Because we are priests through Jesus Christ, our great high priest, it means wherever you go, God has called you to take his presence there. You're a carrier, a living, breathing carrier of the very presence of God. 2 Corinthians 5.20, Paul wrote there that we are ambassadors for Christ. You're an ambassador for Christ. What does that mean? The law of diplomatic immunity, if you guys have ever heard about that. It means wherever you step foot, you become, you're a representative of the the nation you represent. So wherever you step foot momentarily becomes that nation that you represent. So as an ambassador for Christ, anywhere you step foot, kingdom of God. You step again, kingdom of God. When you guys get this, You realize that God is calling you to be thermostats and not thermometers. That wherever you go, God is going to use you to change the temperature of the room you're in. You're a living, breathing carrier of the very presence of the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. God has come and set up residence in you to go out and change the world you live in. Author and worship pastor Zach Neese, he says, A person of praise is like a walking altar call. (laughs) <laughs> a person of praise is like a walk, walking altar call. When we, when we invite the very presence of God into the situations we're in, people notice. People say, why are you so happy all the time? <laughs> when everything's falling apart around you, how are you handling this so well? That's when you get to say, it's not by my strength. Let me tell you about my friend Jesus. The second thing, 
Minister to the Lord. So the first thing, we carry the presence of the Lord. The second thing, to minister to the Lord. You know, as a worship leader, I'm up there, I'm holding the guitar, I'm playing. I can't possibly know all the situations in a room. I can't possibly know all the hurts, the wounds, people that are struggling. We all struggle. We all we all need God. We all need to be walking in a relationship with the Lord, but we all have hurts and wounds in those places in our heart where we, we need to say, God, I need you. I can't do this on my own. We all have hurts. We all have pain. And I can't possibly know it all, but you know what? I know God does. And I know when I'm worshiping, I know I'm inviting him into that very place, his manifest presence. And I know God can change any situation. And I know God can heal any hurt. And he can mend any heart that needs mending. And you don't have to have a good singing voice. You don't have to be able to play a guitar or a piano. You just got to be able to surrender your heart and say, God, would you just come and fill this place right now? My kids, I love hearing them sing, and they don't, they don't always hit the right notes. Most of them are the wrong notes. Most of the lyrics are the wrong lyrics. But it's a joy to listen to them sing because they're my kids and I love them. God loves to hear you. Lifting your voice to him. He says, yep, that's my kid right there. Oop, that note was a little sharp, but it's still beautiful. <laughs> so as you're walking as an ambassador for Christ, minister to the Lord first. Lean on his strength. Invite him into the room. And the third thing is to pronounce blessings in his name. Now, translated that word blessing, it literally means to call people into the destinies that God has for them. So as a priest, God is going to use you to call people into the destinies that he has for them. I want to share a quick story with you guys. When I was in college, I was studying music. I was not living for the Lord. I was not living right. I had a lot of junk in my life that I let in. But you know what? My old youth pastor called me out to coffee one day. He called me out to coffee. I thought, you know, he was going to just start preaching at me, and I wasn't too jacked to meet him. But I love him. And he ended up marrying my wife and I, a great guy. But he met me, he looked me in the eye, and he said, Jared, I just wanted to meet and tell you, don't forget. Don't forget about the call that God has on your life. Don't forget. That's all. That's all he said. And that resonated with me. I'm pretty sure I started crying. But that was one of those catalyst moments where God just started to, to change my heart and soften my heart and say, come back. Come back to me. How many of you guys have ever been in that place where you've heard God say, just come back? I'm so grateful for that moment. And God used him in that moment to help to call me into the destiny that God has for me. For me, ministry was never on the radar. If you would have asked me back then, hey, you're going to be a worship pastor? I said, no, you're crazy. I had my sights set on other musical endeavors, and I, I was waiting for Stevie Wonder to call me to be his percussionist. That didn't happen. That wasn't going to happen. <laughs> but you know what? God used 
that man to help to call me into the destiny that God had for me. And that led to a moment where my wife and I came to this very church and responded to an altar call Pastor Dwayne gave where we rededicated our lives to Christ, which turned into me serving on the worship team. And then fast forward, God called us into the ministry. It all happened because God was speaking and I had the choice to respond or give God the stiff arm. We all, we all come to that place. But just know, if you know those people in your life, if you know some people, I'm sure we could all name, name a few right now, right off the top of our heads. Just be encouraged. God can use you to call them into the destinies God has for them. Speak life, speak encouragement. Live that lifestyle of worship and let them see it. And so to be aware of who God has made us to be as we talk about who God is, we're sons, we're daughters, we're priests. We can rest on the fact that he's a good, good father and that we've been created according to his plans and his purposes with intentionality because God's given us a job to do. We're blessed to be a blessing, right? God saving us and setting us free, it's never just about us because God sees the whole picture. The Bible says he sees our beginning from our end. God knows there are people in your life right now that he's going to use you to influence. He's going to use you to help to call them into the destinies God has for them. No matter how young or old you are in this room, God has a plan to continue to still use you to point people to him. Amen. Pastor Brady Boyd from New Life Church, he says, the biggest calls and issues facing the church today is worship and obedience. Worship and obedience. And guys, they have to go hand in hand. What good is our worship, what good is a song we sing in this place if we go right out of these doors and start stiff-arming the Holy Spirit when he's speaking something to our hearts? If he's leading us to do something, to speak to that person, to surrender that area of your life, another big area we didn't even talk about was finances. Do we think God wants us to bring his tithes, our offerings. Do we, does, do God, does God want our tithes because he wants our money? Needs our money? No. He wants our heart. It's a heart thing. God says, put me on that throne and nothing else. I'm passionate about this, you guys, because I've lived it. All I can say is, without God, I was a mess. I messed up a lot. <laughs> I still do, but his grace abounds. Amen. <laughs> My wife won't say I mess up a lot. She'll say, no, he's pretty close to perfection. 
as she laughs. <laughs> God loves you. God loves you. And he says, worship me. Give me everything. Surrender it all because I love you and because I have the best plan for your life. That's a lifestyle of worship. Psalm 27, verse 8. It's one of my life verses. A few years ago, uh, my wife and I wrote a song based on this scripture. King David wrote, My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. I love that picture of God speaking and David's obedience. My heart has heard you say, Come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. How many of you guys know that's the obedience God wants from us? To hear his voice and just to obey. David, he was a first-class sinner. He was an adulterer, a murderer, a liar. Lots of shortcomings as a father. But he was also a first-class repenter. And God said that David was a man after his own heart. When my time this side of heaven's over, I want my wife and kids to be able to say, above all else, he loved Jesus. And did everything he could to live for him every single day. That's a lifestyle of worship, you guys. For our hearts to respond to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm coming. Whatever it is, whatever you call me to do. Can we all bow our heads? Can we all bow our heads and close our eyes? I want to give you guys an opportunity to just respond to the Lord right here in this moment. I want to ask two questions. Very simply, if you have not yet asked Jesus into your heart and said, Lord, I want to surrender to your kingship, your lordship in my life, and I want to do that right now, right now, right here in this place, if that's you, I just would ask with every head bowed, every eye closed, I would just ask you to raise your hand. Raise your hand so I can see it. Thank you. Second part of that, if you feel like you've strayed from the Lord, and I know this can be a powerful thing, maybe you were once walking closely with the Lord, maybe you once had a vibrant relationship, but you want to come back to that heart of worship just like that song we sang. If that's you in this place tonight and you want to rededicate your life just like I did, and you want to say, Lord, I'm coming back. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Third question. If you're in here tonight and God is really putting his finger on some places of your life, some areas of your life that you know you need to surrender you know, maybe that person God's been laying on your heart that you've been putting off talking to. 
maybe that thing you've wanted so bad for years, but you know God's peace just isn't there, and you just kind of want it out of your own steam, maybe an area of your life where you feel like you just keep circling the same mountain, but you're not gaining any ground. If, if that's you and you feel like God is saying, yes, this area, he's been speaking to me and he's putting his finger on it right now, tonight in this place. If that's you and you want to surrender that part of your life right now and lay it down at the foot of the cross, if that's you tonight, I want you to raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. I believe these moments are powerful with God. Why? Because we remember them. That's why the Israelites built altars so that they would remember those moments with God. Right now is that moment. Let's pray together. Let's pray with these people first that want to ask Jesus into their heart, those people that want to rededicate their lives. Repeat this with me. Father God, right now I come to you and acknowledge Jesus Christ as my Savior. I ask him into my heart. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to help me forgive others. Help me to forgive myself. And right now I thank you that I'm your child, that I'm a priest, and that you have a good plan and purpose for me. And so right now I receive you, Jesus. I give you my life. I'm going to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I want to pray with these people that want to surrender those areas of their lives. Father, right now in this place, we pray a prayer of thanks. We thank you, Lord, that you speak to us. We thank you that you're a good, good Father and that you put your finger on those areas of our lives that we try to hold on to. Lord, all you're asking is for us to give them to you. And so right now, Father, in this place, we surrender all in your presence. We surrender every part of our lives, every area, every marriage. We surrender the lives of our children, Lord. Our families, our homes, our bank accounts, We thank you that you're in control. And we ask, Father, as we go out of these doors tonight, help us to live that lifestyle of worship. Help us to remember that you go before us, that we can trust you just as a, a child would, jumping off the stairs. Because, Father, we know you're there to catch us. We know all we need to do is tune in to your voice and so we pray that your voice would be louder than any noise of this world father we thank you for that and we love you in jesus name we all pray together tonight amen